Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Stopping the revolving door of employee attrition. So is your, uh, your employee turnover too high? People leave because they're dissatisfied. So if you're running a company and driving things too fast, you really need to take a moment to look around and ask yourself, are the people around me getting what they need from our organization? My name is Rick Gerard, and welcome to Air Power Radio Show. Our purpose is to provide solutions to solve the most difficult hiring challenges to secure the best talent for your, to ensure your company's success. Today, our guest is Brian Montez, the head of strategy and business development for KEB. Brian oversees day-to-day sales operations for KEB, a Southern California-based HR management and payroll firm. Since uh, 2014, he has helped hundreds of companies better manage their talent, optimize their business operations, and bring an RRI to HR and increase stakeholder value. Brian, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Rick, thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. Happy to have you. So we're going to delve right into organizational behavior. We um, So many companies fail because they have dissatisfied employees, which is great for me, but not so good for them. Um, so let's talk about organizational behaviors that kind of lead to this dissatisfaction that people have. What would you say would be kind of the, the top things that uh, you see on your end? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, looking at some of the things that employers can do, which will increase uh, employee attrition and get that revolving door going, um, it has a lot to do with starting in the beginning, the employee onboarding process. How are you bringing them into the organization? You know, are you... Well, let's it... talk about what those are first and then go into that, okay. if you don't mind. Sure. So, um, organizational uh, commitment of the employees? Absolutely. The, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so some behaviors that will lead to it is the organizational commitment to the employee. You know, how committed is that employee employee to their employers? Are they developing them and uh, engaged with them? What is the quality of the relationships between the employer and the employees and the overall team? Um, what is the clarity of the role? You know, as that new employee comes on board, is there clarity in their role, their expectations? Do they know what they need to be doing? Is and all that and that's often out? a big, big, big fail on a lot of companies' parts. Hey, we just need you to do the job. Just figure it out. Yep, exactly. Right? Trial by fire, right? Yeah. Uh, job design. You know, is that person coming on board for the a job that they can succeed in? Does it fit their skill set? Are they being set up for success because they're doing the things that they should be doing and what they are good at doing? Sure. Um, is there work group cohesion? You know, does as you come into that organization, is that organization siloed, or is that new employee able to get engaged and get into work groups and and be able to participate and collaborate? And let's talk a little bit about that because that's actually a really important piece. Some people do much better if they're working on their own. Those people sometimes brought into a cohesive group or a really collaborative environment aren't necessarily the best hires. Sure, and and vice versa, right? So, yeah, so it depends on, on what's expected of them and what work groups they need to be part of yeah. and helping them map that out so that they don't have to figure it out on their own. Sure. And, of course, that's becoming more important that people are collaborative. Absolutely. Especially in today's workplace. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of other key things we see going on is, you know, is the environment that's been created proactive or reactive? You know, is that organization forward thinking and solving problems ahead of time and looking at what's coming down the pipe? Or are they always reacting to problems and always forcing the employees to fight fires and, and be behind the eight ball, if you will? And then, of course, just the poor onboarding experience, you know, that that really creates a lot of problems out the gate when that's mismanaged. Yeah, <clears throat> most definitely. And I see that a lot on my on my side, too. So, 
And, and a lot of that has to do also with the compliance piece as well. So, Okay, got it. So let's talk a little bit about compliance. What do you mean by that? So, you know, the creating an environment where employees will stay, a lot of it is strategic, and then you roll out programs to support that. Sure. But as employees come on board, you have a lot of compliance issues that an employer needs to maintain and maximize and watch to reduce their liability. It protects them as well as their employee. That are mandated by the state. Mandated by the state, yeah. exactly. We have, you know, you have federal labor laws, you have state, we have local municipal stuff. So there's a lot of different moving parts to managing those labor laws and being compliant on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the key ones right now that we see going on, wage and hour compliance. You know, it's a very big topic right now is, you know, our employees punching out for their breaks. Breaks are paid, but are they punching out for their breaks so that there's a paper trail there and we know that those breaks are being taken? Are they taking their lunch breaks accordingly? You know, are we managing that wage an hour and making sure employees are being t- paid appropriately for the time that they're working? And, and if somebody forgets to, I mean, that, that just creates issues if they forget to log out for their breaks, right? It can create yeah. issues, absolutely. Okay. So. Got it. Um, so besides that, any other type of of compliance that that people need to be aware of? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of them. So we'll just talk of a couple today. Sure. Otherwise, we'll probably overwhelm yeah, our audience. Yeah, let's focus on a couple. Uh, the, the employee versus independent contractor piece, right? Um, a lot of companies like to say, okay, I'm going to hire this person as an independent contractor, and I don't want to have to pay those employer taxes. Well, unfortunately, you know, there are rules and criteria that go with that. You know, the IRS has a 19-point test. There's a state test. So you really need to be careful and make sure you classify the worker correctly. Aren't there like six different tests? There's a handful of different tests, yes. Okay, so which one's the right one? Well, there's no right one per se, right? <laughs> just like anything else. You, you just have to, have to look be able to check off all of them. You, well, you have to look at it as a cohesive unit and see if it fits appropriately. And it really boils down to the control. You know, how much control are you going to exert over that person? Are they using your equipment? You know, do are they their own entity? Um, there's a lot of different criteria, and you really need to evaluate them all and see where it fits. Mm-hmm. And, and most likely, you know, always recommended see an employment attorney or an HR firm to help you navigate that. Got it. Got it. Which is what you guys do. Correct. That is what, what KB does. We're an HR management company. Excellent. Okay. I'm a new company, and I'm starting out, and I'm starting to grow, or I'm starting to put things in place. What's the most important compliance that I need to keep in mind when I'm when I'm starting to hire? So I think, you know, for a new company that is going from added, starting to add employees, one of the biggest things you want to think about is what your employee manual, employee handbook going to look like, right? You need to clearly define the policies and lay them out so that there's no confusion with those new employees as they come on board. Sure. You know, what is, if you're going to offer sick leave besides the state mandated sick leave, what's that look like? How does it accrue? Are you going to offer vacation? What does that policy look like? And clearly lay those policies out so that there's no confusion about what they get, what they don't get. Got it. Okay. Then what else? So employee handbook, um, and then of course, uh, pro- you know, properly classifying those employees, whether they're salary exempt, salary non exempt, hourly. Um, they may all be employees, but you still need to classify them correctly. Sure. So make sure that classification is done. Now, what about moving an employee from a full time to a contractor, or a contractor to an hourly? Or is there a lot of issue in that? Well. Is- Sure, that definitely moving an employee, a person that's a W-2 to an independent contractor status certainly could raise some red flags. Sure. So you really have to make sure your T's are crossed, I's are dotted to do that. Um, you know, much easier to take that independent contractor, move them from that onto the W-2 status. Which is probably why most companies want to start out that way and then move them. Smaller companies do, and then they start to create that W-2 and they bring everybody on board as an employee. Got it. Now, typically, does that happen at some point? After they've received some funding or they started driving revenue, then they start bringing them on as full-time? It's a combination of both, right? Because, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of taxes associated with your W-2s, so you have to be able to sustain that tax burden. Um, However, 
having that tax burden is cheaper than getting the fines for incorrectly classifying your employees. Yeah. So we encourage everybody to really look at that closely up front and err on the side of caution. Got it. Okay. And then the third final piece? Uh, the third and final piece would be um, the vacation policies. We have worked with some employers that have a use it or lose it piece on their vacation, sure. which you cannot do. In the state of California, vacation is considered compensation. Okay. You can cap vacation in terms of how much they accrue if they don't use it, but you cannot have a use it or lose it policy. Ooh, okay. What about unlimited vacation? What about unlimited vacation? So there are companies that are starting to develop unlimited vacation mm -hmm. policies, which basically means you can take time off whenever you need to. However, there's no set time and, and you know, there's no accrual. Right. So if, there, if there's no accrual, then they're just leaving it open to that, you know, take as much time mm -hmm. off as you want. And I think in that case, you know, we don't have any clients that have that policy, but in that case, most likely what's happening is those employers are... They are relying on the employees to sort of self-regulate. Yeah. And, you know, when and if we come into a problem, at that point, it'll end up in the court system, and we'll see if a body of law starts to get created around that and how we manage that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that's happening a lot in tech. Mm -hmm, a lot of is. tech companies are starting to do that quite a bit. All right, we need to take a quick break. We're taking, we're talking to <laughs> Brian Montes from KEB Business Consultants about... Uh, compliance, well, actually, stopping the revolving door of employee retention, or attrition, I should say. Woo. So, uh, when we come back, we're going to actually talk about some solutions, actually, what keeps employees happy, and then some solutions to uh, really drive this process uh, moving forward. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. And welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and we're talking to Brian Montez from KEB Business Consultants about um, employee attrition and, and actually stopping that revolving door. So before the break, we were actually discussing kind of some of the issues that uh, organizational behaviors kind of cause and some of the compliance around that. Now we're going to talk about why employees stay and what to do to, to, to stop that revolving door. So, Brian, let's, let's talk about why employees stay. What, what do you see as the greatest um, reason why employees stay at, at companies? There's several factors that will lead to that. Uh, one starts with a cohesive recruiting strategy, right? Because that's where the employee experience begins. So if that comes out the gate troubled, mm -hmm. it's going to lead to a very bad experience or be a red flag for that employee. Okay, bang. That's okay. I pitched that one all day long. Mm -hmm. So when you say cohesive recruitment strategy, what are some of the, the good ones that you've seen and what are some of the bad ones? So some of the good ones we've seen is that the uh, one, the the hiring party is responsive. So as candidates are coming through, they're responding quickly. They're not leaving that candidate out there hanging. So responsiveness is critical. Yep. Uh, clearly defined expectations, job role, what they're looking for, um, what they're going to be measured against. So, you know, really clearly mapping that out mm -hmm. as that uh, candidate is coming into the pipeline for conversation. Sure. Um, so I'm really just managing those expectations. Um, and then just, again, communication is critical. The communication from the start to the finish of the process. 
process and the overall flow. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, some of the bad were just the opposite of that. You know, slow, slow follow up from the company that's looking to hire. You know, they wait two or three weeks to follow up with a candidate. Uh, they don't do yeah. what they say they're going to do in the process. That's a huge one. Yeah. Um, and then just not being very clear on what the expectations are, what your job role is. You know, you sort of throw everything into the kitchen sink and say you're going to do all of this. And a lot of companies, especially smaller ones, don't know. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to figure out, we need a body in here yes. just to do this Correct. work. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare. Um, all right. So um, I, I totally agree with you. Another thing that just to add on to that is, is timeline, setting a timeline both on the company and the candidate side. And that's, you know, again, with managing expectations, mm-hmm. it's really important that you stick to that timeline. Great point. Yeah, really. So um, next one. Um, socialization, especially in bigger organizations, but even in smaller ones, you know, as a new person, a new team member is coming on board, there's some very specific things you can do to start getting their socialization to make sure that they come in and they know where things are at. And a where simple tool, exactly. Yeah. A simple tool is just assign them somebody that's their partner, mentor, whatever you want to term it, but just somebody they can go to for the first 30, 60, 90 days say, Hey, where's this? How do I do that? What's this? What's that? Yep. Assign a buddy. Exactly. Yeah. This way they know where to go and, and what they need and they know what to ask and who to ask. You know, we had a show on, a few weeks back, um, one of the uh, HR directors from a company called Snowflake, and mm-hmm. that was one of the things that she really, anybody who comes in, she assigns them a buddy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, but that's somebody who, and everybody's got their buddy. Mm-hmm. They take them to lunch the first day, they, they take care of them. And that's really, really important. Very important. Absolutely. So, how long should that process last? Are we talking about a week? I think it really depends on the organization and how much is going on and how many moving parts there are. With yeah. a larger organization, it certainly could be a much longer timeline. It could be a 45, 60-day timeline. Yeah. Or maybe it's somebody that sticks with you for the first six months. A smaller company where you're all in one small office and not as many moving parts, it could be 30 days or less. So you really have to gauge it on what's going on with that specific business. Yeah, got it. All right. And... Next one would be what? Uh, t- training and development opportunities. Those are going to be a key item in, in you know getting people to stay with your organization. You know, people that are intrinsically motivated, that want upward mobility, that looking down that career path. You know, if your organization becomes the type of place where you launch a career, develop a career, even if you don't stay there, but it launches you into another career, hire somewhere else. As long as there's training and development opportunity, it gives them something to look forward to. Which is a very difficult one for smaller startups. I mean, that's that's very often overlooked. Maybe focus on on the career development opportunity as opposed to the training side. Mm-hmm. You could develop on, the, on yeah. that on the leadership side. There's yeah. definitely a lot of different areas that you can bring in for training sure. that will give them personal and professional growth. Got it. So if I'm a small company, let's say I'm a startup and I've got like you know 10, 15 people, how do you advise me? To, to kind of implement a program like that for somebody? Well, the way you implement it is you, you need to look at your own vision. Where is your company headed and where where is it going? Yeah. And so if you're clear on that and the roles that are going to develop as your company expands, I know that in two years I'm going to need to fill this role, you can start working with the person that might have the skill set or capabilities to learn to grow into that role and start working them at that level. Say, yeah. okay, in a couple of years, if we hit this growth side, this position is going to be created. Is this something you're interested in? Well, yes, I'm definitely interested in it. Great. Let's start preparing you for that now Got it. through some leadership training about whatever we need to do to get you ready. So as we grow as a company, that opportunity will be out there for you. You go too. Yep. Absolutely. So again, taking a proactive approach to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how important would be kind of 
recognition or continuous kind of feedback loops? It's very critical. You know, the, the days of the annual review are long gone. Right? <laughs> if you wait once a year to tell an employee how they're doing or a team member how they're doing, you yeah. miss the boat. So we very much encourage, and we do it internally with our own company, is this continuous feedback. You know, your team should always know where they stand. People should sure. never should rarely, I'll rephrase that, should rarely be surprised if they are fired or terminated. They should know that it's coming because you've had that continuous feedback. Hey, we need to work on this. We need to improve this. So continuous feedback and responses is critical in growing that team member. Okay. And what should that look like for a company? Again, it's going to vary by by dynamics and what's going on, but continuous feedback, it can occur almost weekly, daily, right? There should be that interaction. It doesn't need to be these long, drawn-out conversations. It can be a a quick five-minute conversation, you know, or if you identify an area that really needs development, you break it up into different segments. You know, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about this today for 10 minutes, we're going to revisit it. You got an action item from this conversation, we'll revisit this next week. And and you micro, micro micro-manage those particular talks. Sure. Uh, And then at some point, you know, you are going to want to do some regular evaluations, whether they're monthly, quarterly, Bottom line is you want to make sure that employee always knows where they stand. They should never be guessing about where am I at in this process. Yeah, most definitely. All right, so let's take a tactical approach. Uh, one, uh, we, so we've talked about being proactive. We've mm-hmm. talked about you know some of the things we need to do. If you've got a problem with attrition, how do you stop it? How do you stop the bleeding? So there's a couple of things that you need to do. One, you first need to identify that you even have a problem. So you have to admit that you have that problem. It's like an AA program. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so you get out of the denial yeah. stage and, and, you know, and obviously your, you know, your financials are going to show it. If your employee turnover is high and you're spending a lot of money on recruiting, then there's a problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first things you want to do just from a metric standpoint is you want to employ some type of benchmark. Sure. Right. So what, what are my attrition rates look like? What, how am I, how long am I holding on to employees? What's that look like? So you can do in, external benchmarking where you compare against peers, how often are there peer groups that are in the same uh, industry. And this should probably start when you lose your first person, right? You should really, st- or maybe even prior, when you're starting to get warning signs. When you start to get warning signs, is a yeah. great time to start looking at that. Yeah. Um, you know, and people leave for different reasons. Sometimes they leave because of what the employer's done. Sometimes they leave because there's things that we as the employer can't control. Sure. It's just time for them to move on. Sure. So you do need to disseminate that information. Sure. But you can start with external benchmarking, then internal benchmarking. You know, how does our turnover rate track over time? And you start tracking that data internally as a KPI, a key performance indicator of how you're doing with your team, Got with it. your company. Because at least you know where you stand because then you can develop a plan and measure it. Sure. It's measurable at that point. Got it. Um, and then a couple of simple things that you know owners or employers can do right out the gate today to start to combat employee attrition is launch a socialization plan within your company for new hires. It's not that difficult. Figure out who the... Who the Wait, what does that mean? Who are the right tour guides, right? Okay. Who, who are the, who's, the, who's the right person or right people in the organization to... Who say, are the yeah, right buddies? I'll take somebody on. I'm happy to, to show them around and, and be there for them. Sure. Right? So launch that socialization plan. And also in that plan, identify... What are the key things that that new employee needs to know about mm-hmm. besides just what HR has to tell them for here's your paperwork, here's your benefits, here's all of that. What are the other things that this person really needs to know to be successful that HR may not cover because it's not related to what they do? Yeah. So choosing the right person to be that tour guide, if you will. Sure. Um, so get a, a socialization plan launched. This way you really bring those new employees on. The other thing you can start today is if you're not doing exit interviews, start doing exit interviews. Sit with employees as they leave the company so that you understand why are you leaving. Now, who is conducting the exit interview? It can you be, usually don't want the manager doing it, do you? You can have the manager sit in on okay. it, absolutely. Um, uh, again, are you going to get the honest feedback that way, though? Everything, everything is 
circumstance dependent. Yeah. Right. So you get you got to play it by ear and see what's happening and why is it, why did this person tend to resignation? Sure. If they're leaving on a good note because they've got another opportunity somewhere else, their manager could sit on that conversation. Sure. Sure. Um, if some type of hostile environment's been created, maybe the manager not such a good idea. Yeah. Uh, owner, some other executive, HR for sure. You know, get in, have that exit interview so that you can start to look at why are they leaving and which segment do we put this in? Are they leaving because of something we've done or was it something that really was out of our control? And is there is there a way that exit interview should break down? The exit interview should break down. It shouldn't be, you don't need to make it an hour long. You know, yeah. when we do exit interviews with clients and their employees that are leaving, they're 20 minutes at the most. Okay. And really what we're looking for is, you know, trying to understand truly why are you leaving? What's caused you to want to move on? And if it's, you know, and if it's something that we determine they're moving on because something inside the organization turned them off, we will spend the time in that interview trying to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. What is it that's happened here that you don't feel you're growing? There's a breakdown in your team. There's a breakdown with your manager. And those, those right there are typically the top three reasons why people live. Yep. And it's not money. Mm-hmm. Not money, folks. <laughs> it's not money. That brings up the big what not to do, right? To me, the big thing not to do would be counteroffer. And the reason for that is because counteroffers tend to be focused in about throwing money at the problem. Right. And, and yeah. not solving the root cause, which caused that employee to say, it's time for me to move on. Yes. Right. It's a band-aid approach. Yeah. And what's, how long will that employee truly stay if, you, if they accept that counteroffer? Uh, yeah, there's some <laughs> statistics there, and I don't like to throw that out. But I find them really interesting because in my market that I recruit for, Probably about 75 to 80% of the people that we place get a counteroffer, and we coach them through that. And it's an interesting thing because every time it's about the money. You know, they mm-hmm. give them, they up their money, and they don't really deal with the issue at hand. Hey, you're really an integral part. We really love having you around. You're a great guy, which all translates to we, we don't want to spend the money to, you know, to, to recruit a new person to fill your role. But then they just throw more money at them. And, it's easy for them to turn that down. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know what? We're almost out of time for today's show, Brian. Uh, thanks well, time for flies. sharing your... I know, this is two 12-minute segments goes really fast, right? But thanks for uh, sharing your valuable insight uh, with our audience. And welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show community. Now, what is the best way for somebody who wants to reach out to your company to get a hold of you? Oh, absolutely. You can email me directly at brianm at kebhr.com. Okay. Um, or you can call the office, 949-681-6640. Awesome. And what would be a great client for you guys? So a great client for us is uh, anybody that's got employees. You know, we typically service the mid-market of smaller businesses, mm-hmm. uh, 20 to 50 employees and they're looking to outsource their HR management or they're looking to outsource their payroll solutions. There you go, guys. Those phones should be lighting (laughs) them now. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. To listen to this show or any past episodes, you can check out higherpowerradio.com that's h-i-r-e it's not a religious show guys um or you can check us out on itunes and uh, google play as well under higher power radio follow me also on twitter you can reach me at at rick underscore gerard and that's going to wrap us up for this week tune in next week as our special guest host will be my partner derek johnson 
And our guest will be Robert Price, the executive global directory, uh, the executive director of Global Entrepreneurship Institute. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 